Brona Katolo da Baba, Legadozo Colo da Boro Cotosekele de Bire na Katani Kalina Manangale de Bobo Jekele de Mala Manohotia. Nations coming to the light of the gospel, nations coming to this truth. The veils are giving way to the glorious light of the gospel. The people of God built up, equipped, edified. The, the word of the Lord coming with power, the word of the Lord coming with witness. Mato Katona Kalia. Father, today we rejoice that we have access into the deep things of God by the Holy Ghost. We speak words which the Holy Ghost teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. I pull down strongholds in the minds of your people. I cast down imagination. I bring down every thought and reasoning under subjection to the obedience of Christ. And we command the clarity of Christ to be made, un- made manifest in your understanding through the teaching of God's word. And Father, we give you praise today that by the end of this service, your people will be edified, equipped, and Jesus will be glorified. Nobody lives here the same way they came. We give you praise and glory for answered prayer in Jesus' precious name. And every believer says a powerful amen. Lift your right hands to heaven. Let's release our faith together as we say these words. I am born of God. I am born of the word. The word of God is my nature. I do not struggle to do the word. I do the word naturally. Therefore today, I will understand the word of his grace. I will be built up. By the end of this service, I will never be the same. Never ever be the same again. In Jesus name. And every believer says a powerful amen. We want to welcome everybody connected to this service by way of Kingdom Life Network, Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, Twitter, and all of you that are listening right here in Akwaibom State on Comfort FM and XL FM. It's a joy to bring you the word of God. We'd like you to call friends and friends and family members to tune to this station quickly so that they can be part of this blessing today. And all our house centers in Akwaibom State, we're glad to have every one of you. All our campuses around the world, it's a joy to be able to serve you the grace of God. So I'd like you to get a pen, a notebook, and your Bible, and you can be seated with your sweet, smart self as we get into the word of his grace. We've been looking at the legal and vital work of salvation in Soteria season 7. And it's been a wonderful time of studying and learning and growing in the knowledge of Christ Jesus. Hebrews chapter 2 from verse 1. Hebrews chapter 2 from verse 1 to 4. Therefore, We ought to give the more earnest heed to the things which we have heard. Lest at any time we should let them sleep. For if the word spoken by angels was steadfast, and every transgression and disobedience received a just recompense of reward, how shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation? If we neglect. The truth of the matter is you have to give attention to the things you have heard. How shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation, which at the first began to be spoken by the Lord and was confirmed unto us by them that heard him. Next verse. God also bearing them witness, both with signs and wonders and with diverse miracles and gifts of the Holy Ghost according to his own will. We have seen that in the course of the few days of teaching that Jesus fulfilled the day of atonement. Jesus fulfilled the day of atonement. He actually stood as the two goats. The one that was killed and the one that was left alive. One referred to his body and the other referred to his spirit. 
and this too was himself. So he offered himself. Each part of that event shows forth the full impact and import of the work of redemption. Let's have another look. We've been looking at the redemption of Jesus being our redemption. We are also going to look at sanctification in this service. The fact that redemption was the price paid. We will discover that the events were outlined by protocol to happen the way it happened. They were outlined by protocol. The events of death, burial, resurrection and all of that. Look at Luke 24, 44. Luke chapter 24, verse 44. And he said to them, These are the words which I spake unto you while I was yet with you, that all things must be fulfilled, which were written in the law of Moses and in the prophets and in the Psalms concerning me. Next verse. Then opened he their understanding that they might understand the scriptures. That they might understand the scriptures. So, when Jesus died and rose from the dead, he said he had fulfilled the scriptures. So, the essence of it is that he actually took the disciples through the scriptures. He took them through. He didn't cross over, which is parables. He went through, which is diharmonia, which is actually interpreting the scriptures. All right? He didn't cross over. He went through the scriptures with them. There are three compartments of the Old Testament, what we call the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms. The law of Moses. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, first five books, Moses, the prophets, major and minor prophets, and the Psalms. All right? That's the way Jesus put it for them. So we can bring out the work of redemption from these three materials. We can see what Jesus did there. The Bible says that the prophets inquired. In 1 Peter chapter 1 verse 10 to 12. The prophets inquired and searched diligently. They searched and inquired concerning salvation. They were searching. And the conclusion of their search and inquiry arrived at the sufferings of Christ and the glory that shall follow. So when we look at the sufferings of those animals, we will see in typology the sufferings of Christ in those animals in the Old Testament. Like Leviticus 16 where we read, one of the goats will confess sins on it. The goat of escape. They will bring the goat, they will lay hands on the goat and confess the sins of Israel on that goat. And then they will release that goat alive to a forest separated from where people are. That's the second goat. Alright. Now we already said that the first goat. Is the goat of sacrifice. Which represented the body of Jesus. The second goat. The goat of escape. Which represented separation. The spirit of Jesus separated from God. So Jesus in redemption. Died spirit, soul and body. His redemptive work. Took care of your spirit. Your soul and your body. The totality of you was paid for in the redemptive sacrifice of Jesus. Now please pay attention. So the good two goats are to suffer for what they have not done. The two goats are to suffer for what they have not done because the first goat is killed as a substitutionary sacrifice. Then the second goat is released as scapegoat on behalf of Israel's sins. So the two goats are suffering for what they have not done. That is what Jesus did for us he suffered for what he has not done. He suffered for what he has not done. So, in the atonement, which we call the propitiation, 
Jesus stands as the shorty. Jesus stands as the shorty. As the price that was paid on our behalf. So Jesus began to show them from the scriptures. He told them not to leave Jerusalem but wait for the Holy Ghost. Do you know that Jesus in teaching those folks actually told them that, that they read you know, the scriptures. And when they read the scriptures, they should have known that the scriptures was his testimony. Now when you read the book of Acts chapter 2, you will think that on the day of Pentecost, the Holy Ghost just came on people. You know, the Holy Ghost just looked for some people and fell on them. That's the way the journalistic account of the book of, of Acts gives the impression. But listen carefully. The Holy Ghost didn't come that way. Do you know that the second time the Holy Ghost came was in Acts chapter 10. In the house of Cornelius. Bible says, while Peter yet spake unto them. While he was speaking the word to them. The Holy Ghost fell on those that heard. That means when they heard, faith came alive. When faith came alive, their faith received of the spirit. So there is teaching required to enable a believer receive the fullness of what is his in the spirit. That will mean therefore that in Acts chapter 2 on the day of Pentecost the people believed before the Pentecostal experience. Because in chapter 1 they were praying in Solomon's porch while staying in the upper room. And while they were praying the Bible tells us even Mary the mother of Jesus was part of the people that were praying for the Holy Ghost. Meaning on the day of Pentecost Mary was there. Mary the mother of Jesus. She also received the Holy Ghost because Mary the mother of Jesus too had to believe like everybody else. She had to believe like everybody else. So there was a believing for the Holy Ghost to have come to them on the day of Pentecost. Now if Jesus sat to them look at what Jesus told them. Luke chapter 24 verse 47. Luke chapter 24, verse number 47. And that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name among all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. Next verse. And you are witnesses of these things. 49. And behold, I send the promise of my father upon you. But tarry ye in the city of Jerusalem until you be endued with power from on high. Until you be endued with power from on high. Remember what Jesus told them in Luke 24, 26, 27. Ought not Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory? And beginning at Moses and all the prophets. He expounded unto them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. Jesus took time to teach them. Observe the prophecy. He said he will enter into his glory. He will enter into his glory. So the question is, was it when he rose from the dead that he entered into his glory? No, it's not when he rose from the dead. Now, but Jesus told them the events that were going to happen. So pay attention because this very critical, what we're looking at this morning, where your salvation is concerned. Pay attention closely. When Jesus died, he told them that that they don't know him. That they have been reading the scriptures. But they were not paying attention. So when he entered Jerusalem. And they were singing Hosanna, Hosanna. Blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. That singing and all that drama. Didn't happen by chance. That was when 
he died or that was not when he died because all of that drama was part of the protocol that the scriptures outlined before his death it was part of the protocol remember i told you nothing happened by chance everything happened according to protocol the issue was that their eyes were not opened so that day when they sat with jesus on the table the last time they sat with jesus for the passover on the table which was called the week of the unliving bread please pay attention to these terms that's what the bible calls the week of the unliving bread jesus sat there and actually took the cup and drank it and he said to them this is the cup i will not drink it with you again until that day in my father's kingdom <laughs> i love jesus he was take, he was clearly telling them this is the last time we will have passover i will not drink this with you guys anymore until that day in my father's kingdom what was he saying what he was saying is this is the last passover i will celebrate with you people and they should have known by the way jesus spoke now when he died and rose from the dead the day he rose if they had read and paid attention they should have known when the holy ghost came on the day of pentecost that it was not just suddenly that suddenly of pentecost was a protocol of what has already been planned and the way it has already been said that's why when you read the bible you hear things like but when the fullness of the time was come protocol when the fullness galatians chapter 4 verse 6 when the i mean 4 4 5 6 when the fullness of the time was come god sent forth his son now if you observe in exodus 33 moses was saying to god show me your glory i want to see your glory what moses was saying is god appear in physical form i want to see you physically then god said to moses uh -uh, the incarnation is not yet you can't see me now you can't see me the best you can see is shadows the best you can see is types there is a time by protocol when there will be a visible appearance of god and that happened in the incarnation when god became a man through the womb of mary and walked the face of the earth that day when jesus came out of the womb of mary was the first time god almighty stepped into the earth and walked on the face of the earth jesus is god who came into the earth as a man to save man that's the first time god ever and that is what moses wanted he wanted that experience and you know he was not given because there's a protocol there's a protocol to how these things are supposed to function please pay attention so it was in sequence with the protocol of scripture that pentecost happened i repeat it was in sequence with the protocol of scripture that Pentecost happened. So when he says suddenly, it's not like mistakenly or, you know, by chance. No, it was part of the protocol. Part of the protocol that the Holy Ghost was going to come on them on the day of Pentecost. Now, Pentecost was not just one event. Pentecost was, has been from old. So it was part of the protocol that the Holy Ghost will come during the Feast of Weeks, which culminates in Pentecost. Which culminates in Pentecost. Now, so the first event was the Passover. That's the first event in the calendar. 
Passover. Then there is also, when the Passover ends, you have what they call the Feast of First Fruits. At the end of Passover, you have the Feast of First Fruits. First Fruit is the second day after the end of the unleavened bread. First Fruit. So now I've told you three terminologies. There is Passover, there is unleavened bread, there is first fruits. Alright, Passover, unleavened bread, first fruits. Now, from the feast of weeks, when you count 49 days, 49 days, the feast of weeks will end. The day after the feast of weeks is 50. 50. The 50th day. Pentecost is 50. Pentecost always happens on the 50th day after 49 days of the Feast of Weeks. The Feast of Weeks. Now, Pentecost is the Feast of the Holy Ghost or what the Jewish people call the Feast of Newness. Newness. All of this is part of the protocol. Their eyes did not just open to see the sequence of events. So the Holy Ghost didn't just come on the day of Pentecost. Because it was already predicted, it was already spoken in the scripture. These events happened as foretold in scripture. They were not accidental. They were a sequence of events in scripture. Now you know that Jesus, after he rose from the dead, spent 40 days of teaching. 40 days teaching his disciples. You will see that in Acts chapter 1 verse 1. Put it up for me. Acts chapter 1 verse number 1. The former threaties have I made Othiophilus of all that Jesus began both to do and to teach. Next verse. Until the day in which he was taken up, after that, he through the Holy Ghost had given commandments unto the apostles whom he had chosen. Verse 3. To whom also he showed himself alive after his passion by many infallible proofs, being seen of them forty days. And speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. So Jesus spent 40 days with the disciples teaching them. So we know from Acts chapter 1 to Acts chapter 2 that it was a period of 10 days. From Acts chapter 1 to Acts chapter 2 it was a space of 10 days. When Pentecost was fully come. Making Pentecost 50. 50. That is 40 10 days, 50 Pentecost. 50 Pentecost. 40 days of Jesus teaching. Then 10 days after Jesus' ascension, Pentecost. Making it 50. Now, so Pentecost is 50. Now, Passover, Pentecost, then the Feast of Tabernacles. Passover, Pentecost, then the Feast of Tabernacles. And of course, that's just the calendar. So let's look at those events again, beginning with Passover. Matthew 26 verse 17. Please stay with me. Matthew 26 verse 17. Now the first day of the feast of unleavened bread, the disciples came to Jesus saying unto him, Where will thou that we prepare for thee to eat the Passover? Next verse. And he said, Go into the city to search a man. And say unto him, the master saith, my time is at hand. I will keep the Passover at thy house with my disciples. So this is during the Passover. They took bread and wine. Verse 18, at this point, you know, 
that is the last Passover. Look at verse 18 again. Verse 18. And he said, go into the city, such a man, and say unto him, the master said, my time, my time, that means that's the last one. My time is at hand. I will keep the Passover at thy house. Look at verse 26. Now let's see how they ate the Passover. Verse 26. And as they were eating, Jesus took bread and blessed it and broke it. So they were eating food. Then Jesus now took bread, broke it and blessed it and gave it to the disciples and said, Take it. This is my body. There is no way that bread was his body. Because his body was there. Which means that bread was a communication. He was using a symbolism of that bread to tell them something. He didn't cut his flesh and say take it. He took bread, a communication. Take it. This is my body. Put it up 26-26 Matthew. This is my body. 27. And he took the cup and gave thanks and gave it to them saying, Drink ye all of it. 28. For this is my blood. Now observe. He didn't say, This is my blood physically. He used a symbolic expression to say, This is my blood. Put up the scripture. Which is shed. That couldn't have been his blood in that cup of wine. His blood was still in his body. Which is shed for many. For remission of sins. You don't drink Ribena to be forgiven of your sins. You don't drink Zobo or Tasty Time to be forgiven of your sins. Which means it was a mode of communication because of the limitation of their understanding. Alright, so he gave them and said, take drink, this is my blood. Give me the next verse, 29, 29, 29, Matthew 26, 29. But I say unto you, I will not drink henceforth of this fruit. Jesus himself told them, this one is fruit. This cannot be my blood and this cannot be my body. This is just a fruit of the vine. That is, I won't drink this one that I'm using for symbolic communication. Until that day when I drink it new. So there's something new that is going to come out of my death, my burial, and my resurrection. Something new will come out, which is not this one. Until that day, put it up again, when I drink it new with you. In my father's kingdom. Ribina will not be in the father's kingdom. Righteousness, peace, joy in the Holy Ghost. That is the kingdom of God. Nothing material. No bread, no Coca-Cola, no tasty time. The kingdom of God is spirituals. Is spirituals. There's no eating and drinking of food. Righteousness, peace, joy in the Holy Ghost. These are all non these are non-tangibles or intangibles, which is the kingdom of God. So he now told them, we will not eat fruit and eat bread. In my father's kingdom is when we will eat something new. Now, so Jesus communicated, but because of their limitation, like many Christians are in that limitation today, cannot see what Jesus was saying beyond the natural elements that he was using to communicate spiritual realities. Stay with me. Now, give me the next verse 30. Verse 30. 
verse 30. And when they had sung and hymn, they went out into the Mount of Olives. In the Passover ceremony, when you get to the table, the typical Passover ceremony, you will see four cups. Four. Four. Not that one cup. There are four cups. In the real Passover. Then you will see the Maya. The Maya. Then you will see other things like candles. So much ceremony around the Passover. But there were four cups. Don't forget that. Not one cup that they give you in the rebranded communion. It's four cups. Now, and I will explain and show you in scripture. Why are we studying the Passover? Why? First Corinthians 5, 6. First Corinthians 5, 6. Your glorying is not good. Know ye not that a little living, living at the whole lump, seven. Purge out therefore the old living, that you may be a new lump, as you are unleavened. For even Christ, Christ, our Passover is sacrificed for us. So question, who is the Passover? Christ, not bread, not Ribena, not Coca-Cola. Christ, our Passover. Next verse. Give me the next verse now. Is crucified for us. Therefore, let us keep the feast. Not with the old living. Neither, look at this, with the living of malice. He has left elements. He has come into the reality of his message. With the living of malice and wickedness. Let it not be that. But with the unliving bread. What is unliving bread? Sincerity and truth. He's not talking of elements. He's not talking of snacks. He is now bringing out the substance. Because this is the epistles. Which is the revelation of the scriptures. He is bringing out the substance of his communication. He wasn't talking of eating things. He was talking about a heart that is sincere and true. Now follow me. And that is what makes you unliving. Unliving means there is no yeast. It means that there is no pride. It means that there is no you know, hypocrisy. It means you are sincere. It means you are true. That is the way they see you is the way you are. You are not hiding anything. No hidden motives. That is what makes you unliving bread. By this communication. Now please pay attention. We are already unliving. Because Jesus is our Passover. Jesus is our Passover. So if we study the Passover. Who are we studying? Jesus. That's what we're studying. Because the Passover is part of God's redemptive plan for humanity. The Passover is part of God's redemptive plan for humanity. Now the feast of Passover was actually, he told them, when you eat this Passover, do it in remembrance of me. In remembrance means, do it with me in mind. With me in mind. Because Jesus is the Passover. So in their ritual, their focus was to leave the elements. The ritual was to take them from the elements to the reality. Who is Christ? That was the intent of that communication. Please stay with me now. The feast of Passover was actually, he told them you eat it. 
So there were four cups. The Passover was instituted in Exodus 12. Exodus chapter 12. That was the institution of the Passover, which was a feast. Remember, when God told Israel that on that night, he will take their firstborn. Let's read it. Exodus 12, 11. Exodus 12, 11. And thus shall you eat it, with your loins guarded, your shoes on your feet, your staff in your hand. You shall eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. It is the Lord's Passover. Next verse. For I will pass through the land of Egypt this night and will smite all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast. And against all the gods of Egypt, I will execute judgment. I am the Lord. 13. And blood shall be to you for a token upon the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you. And the plague shall not be upon you to destroy you when I smite the land of Egypt. Now, please pay attention. We will see why they are to eat in haste in the course of this teaching. So now, he actually told them, look at verse 14 of Exodus 12, verse 14. And this day shall be unto you for a memorial. And you shall keep it a feast to the Lord throughout your generations. You shall keep it a feast by an ordinance forever. Verse 15. Seven days shall you eat unleavened bread. Even the first day you shall put away living out of your houses. For whosoever eateth living bread from the first day until the seventh day, that soul shall be cut off from Israel. So this was a feast God put together when he was to deliver them from Egypt. So on the day of the Passover, there were four cups. That's key. There were four cups that were to be on the table. Those four cups represented the four I wills. The four I wills that God did. Now, when they left to the Mount of Olives and sang a hymn, it was a particular hymn they sang from the Bible. That hymn was from the scripture. They actually sang the song of redemption. It's called the Hallel. That's the name of the hymn, the Hallel. H-A-L-L-E-L. They sang the Hallel. It's a song of redemption, singing about what God has done for them. So now Exodus chapter 6 verse 2. Please pay attention now. Exodus chapter 6 verse 2. And God spake unto Moses and said unto him, I am the Lord. Actually the am is not there. supposed to be I the Lord. Next verse 3. And I appeared unto Abraham and unto Isaac and unto Jacob by the name of God Almighty. But by my name Jehovah was I not known to them. And I have also established my covenant with them to give them the land of Canaan, the land of their pilgrimage, wherein they were strangers. Remember, this is talking about bondage. Verse 5. Verse 5. And I have also heard the groaning of the children of Israel, whom the Egyptians keep in bondage. And I have remembered my covenant. Remember that we believers are delivered from sin. We are also delivered from the bondage or the hold of sin. Egypt represented in Bible teaching an authority or a stronghold. That's the meaning of Egypt. 
it represented an authority or a stronghold. Look at verse 6 of Exodus 6. Verse 6 and 7. Wherefore, say unto the children of Israel, I am the Lord. Now pay attention. And I will bring you out from under the burdens of Egypt. Number one, I will. Number two, I will read you out of their bondage. Number three, I will redeem you with a stretched out arm and with great judgments. Next verse. Number four, I will take you to me for a people and I will be to you a God and you shall know that I, the Lord your God, which bringeth you out from under the bodies of the Egyptians. Four I wills. Four I wills. So, there were four I wills on the day of Passover. God executing judgment on those who held the children of Israel captive in bondage. For instance, the firstborn of Egypt represent the pride of the land. The pride of the land. That is why Pharaoh asked them, to kill all the firstborns of Israel. Because once you take the firstborns of a land symbolically, you've taken the pride of that land. Pharaoh, the, the government of Pharaoh was by succession. So once the firstborns were killed, the succession of Pharaoh was gone. That was key. Because Pharaoh was also emptied. Now, when what happened to Egypt was the annihilation of the whole empire. That guy, I mean the guy, Pharaoh was destroyed in the Red Sea. And that was the end of Pharaoh. You won't hear of Pharaoh again after that. That was the complete end of the regime of Pharaoh. The four corps spoke of four I wills that God said. The four things he said he was going to do. Number one, the first cup was the cup of sanctification. The first cup, because there are four corps. The first cup is the cup of sanctification. I will bring you out from under the Egyptian. I will read you out of their bondage. Sanctification meaning I will set you apart. Number two, the cup of judgment and deliverance. He will deliver from slavery. From slavery. Number three, redemption. I will redeem you. I will redeem you. Number four, restoration. I will be to you a God restoration and you will be to me a people so i repeat for those making notes number one cup of sanctification i will bring you from under the egyptian i will read you out of their bondage number two judgment and deliverance he will deliver them from slavery number three redemption he will redeem them number four restoration i will be to you a god you will be to me a people look at exodus 319 exodus Chapter 3, verse 19. And I am sure that the king of Egypt will not let you go. No. Not by a mighty hand. Not by a mighty hand. So the four cups on the Passover, the four cups, was to speak of God's grace deliverance in the land of Egypt. The four cups. The stripping of that authority of Satan. The removal of that Satan's bondage from God's children. Egypt represented the flesh. And the flesh is the hold of sin and the reign of Satan. Egypt represented the flesh. And the flesh is the hold of sin and the reign of Satan. So he said, I will smite it. So God was actually being 
bringing, you know, an undoing of the territory, the kingdom, and the reign of the wicked. It's a disgrace of someone's authority. And this speaks of Satan and his kingdom in typology. Pharaoh represents Satan's rule and authority. So the, the Passover deals with satanic stronghold. The Passover deals with Satan's authority. The song they sang on that date on the Mount of Olives as they were going was from Psalm 136, the Halil. Psalm 136 from 1 to 16. Jesus sang that song together with them. They sang together. Psalm 136 from verse 1 to 16. I mean 1 to 16. That is the song Jesus sang with them to give thanks to God for deliverance that he wrought in the land of Egypt. Now, so in Exodus 14 verse 12, the Passover was instituted. Sorry, Exodus 11 12. The Passover was instituted. They were to kill it and eat it. So instead of their lives being taken, the lamb's life, the life of the animals that they killed, they killed the animal, put the blood on their doorposts, and the blood of those innocent animals became their substitute. So the animal died in their place. So when the angel of death sees the blood of the animal on their doorpost, he cannot enter their houses. So that animal died on their behalf. A type of Jesus dying for us. And by the death of Christ, we are free from Satan's bondage. We are free from death. We are free from oppression. And we are free from sin. And as a believer, Jesus' blood is on your life. And when the devil sees that blood, he can't come close. Are we communicating here? Alright. So that was the typology that was done in the Old Testament. The typology. So now, Satan will not touch you. Because there's a Passover. And that Passover is the lamb that have been eaten. So Jesus today is our Passover. Now listen. But beyond the ceremony, which is where we are actually going to. Beyond the ceremony, two things. On the Passover night, one lamb is killed. There is unliving bread and there is mamsa. Look at Hebrews 11.28 for clarity. Hebrews 11.28, please pay attention. Hebrews 11.28. Through faith, he kept the Passover and the sprinkling of blood. Lest he that destroyed the firstborn should touch them. So it was not God that killed the firstborn. There was a destroyer who destroyed the firstborn. The part that God played was to protect those that use animal which was faith in Christ in typology. God's part was the protection. But there was a destroyer. But when you read Exodus, you will think it is God that destroyed. But when you come to Hebrews, the revelation of scripture, it tells you that there was a destroyer. And the only part God played was to protect those who express faith in the animal blood. So the Passover was to prevent destruction. It was to redo out of the bondage of slavery. So the Passover dealt with oppression. Four cups. The four cups of Passover dealt with oppression. So when Jesus took the first cup on that day, you know, that one he said is the last one. This is what happened. Jesus took the first cup took the second cup with them, then he took the third cup 
And he showed them the third cup. He said, this one is the New Testament in my blood. We won't drink this one. This one is what I am about to do in substance. We won't drink it again. We won't drink this one. This third cup is the New Testament in my blood because that cup was the cup of redemption. The cup of redemption. Which is shared for many. Then he now, the fourth cup, he now said to them on the fourth cup, I will not drink of this cup until that day in my father's kingdom. So they drank two cups, but they didn't drink two cups. Now, the four cups represented the four I wills that God said, I will read you and bring you out. Sanctification. I will deliver you from the bondage and execute judgment. Thirdly, I will redeem you with an outstretched arm. Fourthly, I will bring you out. I will be your God. You will be my people. Then the fourth cup. I will drink the fourth cup with you in my father's kingdom. Those were the four cups on that Passover table. Now if you meet the Jewish people, they knew all that I'm teaching you now. They knew it very well because it was a common practice. I said this to say this. After the Passover, we have what we call the Feast of Weeks, which is the first fruits. The Feast of Weeks refers to first fruits, which refers to the best. First fruit refers to the best or first fruit refers to increase. You know, people that use the first fruit to manipulate people to collect their money. You know, they use it. Every January, tell, okay, your first salary, bring it to the man of God. Your first profit in business, bring it. That's not what the Bible is teaching. That's just a manipulation. That's not what the Bible is teaching. First fruit is not an offering you give to a man of God. I'm a pastor. I should like first fruit. But I will not deceive you to collect your money. First fruit is not money you give to a man of God. First fruit is a symbolic communication. And I will show you the lesson that was communicated in the first fruit. Now, Jesus, when he died, he died as the only begotten son. When he rose, he rose as the first begotten from the dead. And that resurrection will bring many sons unto glory. So the resurrection of Jesus is the first fruit of our faith. Resurrection of Jesus is the first fruit. His resurrection is the first fruit. Please don't miss that. Because our faith follows after the resurrection of Christ. So both spiritually and physically, Jesus is our first fruit. Look at 1 Corinthians 15.20. 1 Corinthians 15.20. But now, Christ is risen from the dead and become the first fruit of them that sleep. Christ is first fruit, not money, not salary, not profit. Look at the sequence. Paul is teaching here concerning Jesus being raised from the dead. Look at the sequence. 1 Corinthians 15.20 Look at the sequence. But now in Christ, is Christ risen from the dead and become the first fruits of them that sleep. Next verse. For since by man came death, by man came also the resurrection of of the dead. Are you following? By man came also the resurrection. So first fruit refers to the resurrection of Jesus. 
Look at verse 22 and 23. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. 23. But every man in his own order, Christ the first fruit. Afterward, they that are Christ at his coming. So repeatedly, first fruit is Christ and his resurrection. Are we following here? So he's referring to resurrection. Look at Romans 8.23. Romans chapter 8 verse 23. And not only they, but ourselves also, which have the first fruit of the spirit. It's not money. First fruit in the Bible is just symbolic of resurrection and the spirit of God. Which are the first fruits of the spirit. Even we ourselves grown within ourselves, waiting for the adoption to wit the redemption of our body. So we have the first fruits of the spirit. What it means is we have the increase which is from the resurrection of Jesus. Jesus became the firstborn from the dead. That increase of him bringing many sons unto glory is the first fruit. Is the first fruit because Jesus now has risen from the dead. So after the first fruit 49 days 49 days. Within that period, Jesus sat them down and taught them concerning the kingdom. Then Acts chapter 2 verse 1, and when the day of Pentecost was fully come, was fully come, sequence, protocol, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a mighty rushing wind and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them clothing tongues as of fire. And he sat upon each and every one of them. And they began to speak in tongues as the spirit gave them utterance. Do you know that if they understood the scriptures. They would have known that he was talking about Pentecost. When he was teaching them. Pentecost is newness. Pentecost is Holy Ghost. So Pentecost happened 50 days after. You know in Acts chapter 2. Which is 10 days after the 40 days of Jesus teaching. Pentecost actually refers to harvest. Alright? You know the nation of Israel was born at Mount Sinai. Listen carefully. The nation called Israel, that nation was born at Mount Sinai. That's where the nation called Israel was born. The day Israel was born on Mount Sinai, 3,000 people died. The day that nation was born, they buried 3,000 people. In Acts chapter 2, another Pentecost. Because that day Israel was born was the day of Pentecost. And in that Pentecost, they buried 3,000 people. The birth of Israel. But in Acts chapter 2 was the birth of the church. And on the birth of the church, 3,000 people were saved. What we lost in the law, we recovered in grace. Are you following here? That is why the law is the law of sin and dead. That's why when it came, it buried 3,000 people. But when Jesus came on Pentecost by his spirit, he saved 3,000 people. That's why we are able ministers of the New Testament, not of the later, for the later killeth, but the spirit of adoption giveth life. If I'm communicating, can I hear powerful amen? Alright, so Sinai was the birth of the nation of Israel. So God established a law, a covenant. That's where they became Israel. That covenant was given from Mount Sinai 
And you know, you know, um, the law is dead. <laughs> the law is dead. The new covenant births life. So Pentecost is 50 days. Now let's go back to Passover meal as I begin to round up. Someone says, what about the fourth cup after the Holy Ghost came? Let me just give you something to think about. After the Holy Ghost came, until that event in the house of Cornelius, that fourth cup was not fulfilled. Because the fourth cup was where the Jew and the Gentile now becomes one. But remember, when they started preaching, they were preaching to only Jews. They were preaching to only Jews. They didn't care about Gentiles. Until after the house of Cornelius, Brother Paul came in now. Brother Paul now scattered the whole thing. And Gentiles were reached. That's the fourth cup. The fourth cup is the restoration where the Jew and Gentile are no more divided. Where out of the Jew and Gentile, a new creation is brought in, who is restored to God as a family. Are we following here? All right. Now, please pay attention because these are fundamentals for what we're going to be learning within the week. Look at 1 Corinthians 11.23 now. 1 Corinthians 11.23. For I have received of the Lord, which also I delivered unto you, that the Lord Jesus, the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. What kind of bread? Unleavened bread. Verse 24. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take it, this is my body, which is broken for you. This do in remembrance of me. Next verse. After the same manner also he took the cup. When he had supped, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood. This do ye as oft as you drink it in remembrance of me. The word remembrance is not memorial service. Remembrance means do it with me in mind. That is, when you are doing it, let it be in your mind that is symbolic of what I will do. That what you are doing is symbolic of what I will do. Look at verse 26. Verse 26. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you do show the Lord's death till he come. The key word there is till he come. Which coming was he going to come? Till he come. Which of the comings? Which one? Till he come means till he rises from the dead and comes into your heart to live. To come into your heart. Remember he said to them, let not your heart be troubled. I go to prepare a place. And when I go, I come. And when I come, I will take you to myself. That where I am, you may be. When he rose from the dead, he came into you. He now lives in you. Where, you, where he is, you are with him. Right now you are seated with Christ in heaven. So he has come that coming. By that coming, that ritual expires. It was till I come. And he has come that coming. Are we teaching here? He has come that coming. Now he lives inside you. How can the main thing live inside you and you're still looking for symbolic bread? How can the main person that the bread and rabina are pointing to now lives inside you and you're going back for bread and rabina? It means you're walking in unbelief. Are we teaching here? Yeah. He has already come. He lives in you. Glory to God. He lives in you. Hallelujah. Now, let me explain further. So the bread is the body of Jesus. Look at 1 Corinthians 10, 16. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 16. You know, look at me, everybody. Look at me, everybody. Look at me, everybody. Let's say there is signboard here. There is signboard. Dr. Kpeyong, please stand. 
Dr. Kweyong is standing there and that Dr. Kweyong is the target and Dr. Kweyong is Jesus whom I want to see. So there's a signboard. The first signboard is anointing oil. The second signboard is holy communion, bread and ribena. The third signboard is handkerchief. The fourth signboard is water baptism. All of these signboards are pointing to Christ. So I started following the signboard to arrive at Christ. I followed the first signboard. It led me to the second signboard. It led me to the third signboard. It led me to the fourth signboard. And the fourth signboard showed me Jesus. I came to Jesus. Then I now leave Jesus and go back to signboard. Does it make sense? So when you eat communion, you're leaving Jesus to go back to signboard. Because the communion is a pointer to, is to point you to Christ. Now Christ is in you. Then you now leave Christ and you're looking for Christ inside bread and wine. You leave Christ inside you and you're looking for Christ in anointing oil. Christ is the oil. They use oil because they didn't have Christ. He was still in prophecy so they had to use things to keep their mind on him. Now he has come. He lives in you. You don't need those things. He's now He's now your life. Christ in you. His name is Christ. The word Christ means Christos in the Greek. It means anointed one and his anointing. So Jesus, the anointing is inside you. You don't need olive oil. He is the oil. Except you want to remain in idol worship. Because many Christians are in idol worship. They can't sleep without touching oil. Oil has represent, re, re, replaced Jesus. They can't travel without oil. Any small noise, they will carry bottle. You are an idol worshiper. Christ is reality in your heart. You don't need elements. The elements have expired. They were pointers to the person. Today we have the substance. Glory to God. We don't need any of the elements. Today, Jesus in you is spirit. The words that I speak to you, they are what? They are spirit and they are what? I, he sent his word and his word did what? It healed them. Somebody say, you know what? I eat the communion so I can be healed. God's healing power now is his word inside you. My son, attend to my words. Incline your ears to my saying. For they are alive to those who find them. And what? Held to all their flesh. The New Testament is a spiritual testament. It's not physical. The Old Testament is physical. The New Testament is spiritual. We are the circumcision that worship God. Where? In the spirit. And have no confidence. Where? In the flesh. He that sows to the flesh shall reap what? Corruption. And he said, when you eat those things, they perish with the using. When you drink Ribena and eat bread, the moment you go to the toilet, it goes out. When you put oil on your forehead, if somebody by mistake clean it, it has gone. But Christ in you, cloth cannot clean him. Christ in you, soap and water cannot clean. I feel like I'm teaching here. And that is what you have on your inside. First John 2, 27. The anointing you have received. You have received. You don't need anointing service. Anointing is not a service. Anointing is a person. First John 2, 27. The anointing you have received. Received. So that you get the English. You have received. Eh? Abide. Not visited. The anointing does not visit you. 
abides. That means it took up residence inside you. Are you following here? Say with me, I am eternally anointed. Say it louder. Say it louder. Say, I don't need olive oil. Say, I am the bottle of God's eternal oil. Don't come to Christ and leave Christ and be worshipping idols. Don't come to Christ and leave Christ and be pursuing elements. Christ is more than enough. Christ is not just enough. Christ is more than enough. And where is Christ? In you, the hope of glory. Am I communicating at all? All right, sit down, doc. Sit down, sit down. <clears throat> now, let me close. Tomorrow we take off from here. Are you enjoying this? First Corinthians 10, 16, as I close. Woo! I am in the The cup of blessing which we bless. Is it not the communion of the blood of Christ? The bread which we break. Please pay attention. Is it not the communion of the body of Christ? So now, he's talking about cup. He's talking about bread. And he says the bread is the body. Now, what is he saying? Look at the next verse for clarity now. For we, touch your neighbor, say, no, no, don't touch. Point your neighbor, say we. You see what? You see? I want touch. Church is about touching. Point your neighbor, say we. Okay. We, being many, are one bread. We are the bread. Not that thing you bring from bakery. The day you receive Christ, you became the bread. Are you watching? We be many are one bread. Put it up, put it up. Are one bread and one body. Why? For we all partakers. We are all partakers. Of that one bread. Who is that one bread? Christ. You don't need bakery bread. Christ is the living bread. And he lives inside you. So you know what? When I teach like I'm teaching. You are eating the bread. You are drinking the blood. In spirit form. The New Testament is spirit. The New Testament is spirit. No rituals. We are not native doctors. No rituals. We are not idol worshippers. No. No. The New Testament is purely spiritual. We speak words. No sending you to your village to bring sound. If there's anything in your village disturbing you, as I'm speaking now, it is rendered impotent. No, you don't need to shout the amen. Just one simple amen is enough. Amen. It settles it. <laughs> yes. We don't need to travel. Even before Jesus died, the man said, uh, Jesus said, I will come to your house. The man said, ah, you? You are too big for my house now. I'm a soldier. In the military, the general does not travel. He speaks and his words are carried out. You are more than a general in the army. Speak the word only. And wherever my servant is, my servant will be healed. Jesus said, wow, I have never seen this kind of faith. Even in Israel, they don't have it. This is before Jesus died. Eh, people believe that his word carry power. Is it after Jesus rose from the dead that you have to go to your village and bring sand? That is native doctorism. Ladies and gentlemen, what we have is superior to this world. Somebody stand on your feet, shout glory! Our worship of God is spiritual. Comparing spiritual with spiritual. Natural 
with natural. We don't compare rabbina and bread to spiritual realities. No. Spiritual with spiritual. And what is spiritual? The words that I speak to you. They are spirit and they are life. Is it getting clearer here? Are you understanding more? So that when people confront you outside, you have overwhelming scriptural evidence, robust explanation to swallow illiteracy. Mitaladaya. Tomorrow we continue from here. Blessed? Don't forget four cups. I've not arrived. You know I'm still on the road, right? I've not arrived. And uh, I want to pray for you right now, everybody, wherever you are. If there's sickness in your body, it has no right to stay there. Sickness has no right to stay in your body when it is not paying rent. Sickness has no right to be accommodated in your body without your consent. Sickness has no right to stay in your body when Jesus paid for your body. When your body is owned by Jesus, whatever is not planted by my father, wherever you're hearing the sound of my voice, in this building, on television, on social media, wherever you're hearing the sound of my voice, whatever is not planted by God in your body, I flush it out. Flush it out. Flush it out. I command it to expire. Its potency is flushed out. In the name of Jesus, body be healed. Body be healed. Receive your healing now in the name of Jesus. From your head to the soles of your feet, you are totally made whole. I release the manifestation of what Christ has provided. And I declare no weapon formed against you prospers. Every conspiracy of the devil nullified. Rendered impotent and useless. You're kept by the power of God. Throughout the course of this week, where you need a miracle, receive right now by faith. Receive right now by faith. Receive right now by faith. In the name of Jesus. Great grace is upon you. Great grace is upon you. Above all, I decree that the revelation of God's word grows big on your inside. Until nothing else matters. Christ revealed his body edified and the glory goes to him. Thank you, Father. And we give you praise for answered prayer. In Jesus' precious name. And every believer says that amen on a note of finality. Amen. Glory to God. Now, in another two minutes, I'll be joined Mr. Michael Bush, who is already in the building with me, so we can do the second segment of interaction, question and answers, and all the phone calls in another two minutes. But I want to take up your offerings. Every time you give to this ministry, you enable us to push the gospel to the ends of the earth. Every time you give. Every sacrifice, every money, and every commitment you make to support this vision does not go unrewarded. Because God is not unrighteous to forget your labor of love. You know, Brother Paul said, you gave once and again unto my necessity. He said, you gave sacrificially. And he said, your giving was a sweet smell. Is sacrifice acceptable? Then he now prayed, my God supplies all your needs. Everybody watching around the world in this building, I'd like you to grab your offering, your kingdom investments, and your partnership. Whatever you brought to support this ministry, I'm going to take the offering just one time. If you're watching on television or on social media, and you need a banking detail, 
There are banking details on the screen scrolling. And if you're listening on radio, just hold on. By the time I join Mr. Michael Bush, we will give you bank accounts and phone numbers so that you can send in your offerings. But those of you on TV and Facebook, there are banking details. And if there's none there that is relevant to the location where you're watching around the world, if you shoot a mail right now to Dr. Abel Damina at yahoo.com. Dr. One word, Dr. Abel Damina at yahoo.com. Specify your location. We'll send you an account that can work in your area. But thank you for giving. All partners, we love you and thank you for your giving towards this ministry. Lift up your offerings, let's pray. Father, thank you for everyone giving today. Thank you for everyone making their monies available for the kingdom. I decree right now that as your people give with joy, thank you for the opportunity to build tabernacles. The opportunity to make our monies available for the kingdom of God to keep expanding. And we count it a privilege that our monies will be useful in the redemptive plan of God towards mankind. And Father, we give you praise that as we honor your word today through our finances, I decree for everyone giving right now, your needs are met according to his riches in glory. This week, favors and ideas and concepts are yours. We decree that you have opportunities to make more wealth and more money in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father, that our offerings are a sweet smell before you today. In Jesus' precious name. And every believer says a powerful amen. Praise God. Thank you again for giving and supporting this ministry. Remember, the 30 days of glory continues in, you know, tomorrow evening, 6 p.m., and every day for the whole of this week till next Sunday until the 2nd of August. We are teaching every day. We are building you up with the word of God so that you have stamina for the days ahead. Make sure you don't lose out on what God is doing right now. We love you guys. We're connecting with you in another two minutes. Don't go away, whether on social media, or on TV, or radio, because it's going to be very beautiful this morning. Hallelujah. Are you blessed this morning? House centers and campuses, make sure you, you stay tuned with us. Let's celebrate viewers around the world. And, you know, let's just celebrate them with a shout and a clap all over the building this morning. Glory! You can walk forward. All the messages and books by Dr. Abel Damino. Please call plus 234-806-800-9939 or email powercityoffice at gmail.com. Jesus is the exclusive custodian. around the world. We ask that revelation knowledge will flood the nations. Revelation knowledge will flood the hearts of your people. Disciples raised. Ministers of the gospel equipped. Lakatuke, Berlina, Mananga. The glorious light of the gospel shines in the hearts of your people. Veils full of clarity comes. And Father, we rejoice that tonight we have access into the deep things of God by the Holy Spirit. I pray for everyone connected to the service tonight. Lord Jesus, I ask that your word will shine in the darkness of their minds. Let understanding come. Let clarity come. And Father, we declare that tonight as we speak words which the Holy Ghost speaks, comparing spirituals with spirituals, we declare that your people will be nourished, your people will be equipped, your people will be built up, your people will be edified, and Jesus will be glorified. Thank you for answered prayer tonight. We give you praise and glory in Jesus' precious name. And every believer says a powerful amen. Lift your right hands to heaven. Let's release our faith together. As we say these words, I am born of God. I am born of the word. The word of God is my nature. I do not struggle to do the word. I do the word naturally. Therefore today, I will understand the word of his grace. 
I will be built up. By the end of this service, I will never be the same. Never ever be the same again. In Jesus' name. And every believer says a powerful amen. We want to welcome everybody connected to this service by way of Kingdom Life Network, Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, Twitter. All of you that are listening to me in Aquaibom State on Comfort FM and XL FM, it's a joy to have all of you connected to the service. Hey guys, you want to invite a friend, you want to get a family member, you want to get somebody to hook up to the service tonight because I'm telling you, we'll be enriched by the word of his grace. All our house centers and all our campuses, it's a joy to have everybody connecting to the service. Glory and I want to thank God for every one of you. Make sure you grab your pen and your paper and your notebook. I send you plenty of greetings from this place and I trust God that the word of his grace will build you up tonight and you will never be the same again. Can I have a powerful amen? You can be seated with your sweet smart self. <clears throat> Glory to God. <clears throat> Amen. All right. Those of you on social media, we will want you to help us. Make sure you share the videos on your pages. Tag some people. Create watch parties. Let's get the word as much as possible around the world. Let's flood the bloomable planet with the fragrance of Jesus' grace. We're still looking at the legal and the vital work of salvation. The legal and the vital work of salvation. Soterias is in seven stillies, and this is 30 days of glory 2020. Hebrews chapter 2 verse number 1. Hebrews chapter 2 verse number 1. Therefore we ought to give the more earnest heed to the things which we have heard. Lest at any time we should let them sleep. Next verse. For if the word spoken by angels was steadfast. And every transgression and disobedience received a just recompense of reward. How shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation which at the first began to be spoken by the Lord and was confirmed unto us by them that heard him. God also bearing them witness, both with signs and wonders and with diverse miracles and gifts of the Holy Ghost, according to his own will. All right. Now, we've been looking at this in the last few days. And um, I'd like you to observe that he said the word spoken by angels was steadfast. And every disobedience and transgression received a just recompense. The word recompense means penalty. So that which came from the angels required obedience. Otherwise, there was penalty for disobedience. He now speaks of so great salvation which came by the Lord. And this salvation that came by the Lord does not condemn it does not condemn. It does not judge. This salvation that came from the Lord does not impute sins. It only offers a gift of righteousness predicated on faith in the gospel. Please, that's very important. Faith in the gospel. Now, I'd like you to look at something where we stopped yesterday in the second service so I can quickly get done with that side of it. 1 Corinthians chapter 10 verse 16. Remember yesterday we dealt with the two, you know, two animals, the two goats, the sacrificial lamb, and we also looked at the, you know, the, the goat of escape. And then we also saw that Jesus became a priest when he put on immortality, the garment of priesthood. And today Jesus is a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. He's a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. 
Then in the second service, we began to look at the calendar. We began to look at the sequence of the protocol. We saw the weeks, you know, the Feast of Weeks. We saw the Feast of Unliving Bread. We saw the Feast of Pentecost. And we saw the Feast of First Fruits. And then yesterday, we zeroed in on the Passover Feast, which has actually been an issue for so many believers. And I will encourage you, if you are just connecting for the first time, to get the teachings of yesterday, both the first and second service, and get my teaching on discerning the lost body. That will give you a robust understanding and take care of all the you know, mis, mis, misunderstanding around the issues of the, the Holy Communion and all of that. That will take care of it. But look at First Corinthians chapter 10 verse 16. 1 Corinthians chapter 10 verse number 16. The cup of blessing which we bless, is it not the communion of the body of Christ? The bread which we break, is it not the communion of the body of Christ? Verse 17. For we, being many, are one bread. We are the bread. It's not some bread from a bakery. We be many are one bread and one body. For we are all partakers of that one bread. We are all partakers of that one bread. So you are supposed to break. So you are supposed to break the unliving bread. You give thanks with the cup. Now the word partake is to fellowship. That means we fellowship with the bread. We are fellowshipping with the bread. Our fellowship is with Jesus. We are partakers of the bread. We are many. We are one bread. And we are partakers of the bread, which is Jesus himself. Now let's get back to the Passover. The Passover dealt with the works of the devil. The Passover destroyed slavery and bondage. The Passover dismantled the kingdom of darkness. The Passover put an end to oppression. And we know that sickness is a bondage of the devil. Acts chapter 10 verse 38, how God anointed Jesus Christ of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power, who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. For God was with him. So sickness is an oppression of the devil. But you know that under the old covenant, there was Passover. That is, sickness may be rampant. Sickness may be all over Egypt, but there was Passover. Today also, there could be sickness everywhere, but we have Passover. Jesus is our Passover. Jesus is our Passover, meaning that there is redemption in Christ Jesus. There is deliverance in Christ Jesus. There is sanctification in Christ Jesus. There is restoration in Christ Jesus. We refuse to look at the ceremony of Passover. We go beyond the ceremony to look at the substance of the Passover. To look at the message or the communication within the Passover. And the communication is Jesus himself. We look at the essence of the ceremony. The redemption that we have in Christ Jesus. Look at John chapter 6 verse 48 and see what Jesus said. John chapter 6 verse 48. I am that bread of life. Next verse. Your fathers did eat manna in the wilderness and are dead. Next verse. This is the bread which cometh down from heaven. That a man may eat thereof and not die. This is the bread. It's not a bread from bakery. 
This is the bread. The one that came from bakery. Your fathers ate and are dead. There's no need to give you what your fathers ate and are dead in the reality. So this is the bread. I am the bread. That's what Jesus was saying. This is the bread which came down from heaven that a man may eat and not die. Next verse. I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If any man eat of this bread, he shall live forever. So the bread Jesus is talking about here is bread that gives you eternal life. And the bakery bread does not give eternal life. So he wasn't talking about, you know, what we call the Holy Communion. He was talking about beyond the Holy Communion into the reality which gives eternal life. Put it up again. Eternal life. Alright. And he says, if any eat of this bread, he shall live forever. And the bread, and the bread that I will give is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. Look at 53, verse 53 to 57. 53. Then Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Except you eat the flesh of the Son of Man, And drink his blood, You have no life in you. Whoso eateth my flesh, And drinketh my blood, Hath eternal life. Now we know that there is no way you can have eternal life from bread that comes from bakery. There is no way you can have eternal life from Rabina. Otherwise, everybody that is drinking Rabina has eternal life. So when Jesus is saying, the one that I give will give you eternal life, he was talking about his redemptive work. He wasn't talking about, you know, elements. He said, the one I give, put that scripture up for me again, it gives you eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. Next verse. For my flesh is meat indeed. And my blood is drink indeed. He that eateth my flesh and drinketh my blood dwelleth in me and I in him. Question. How do you come by eternal life? You come by eternal life through the preaching of the gospel. So the bread to eat is the gospel. The blood to drink is the gospel because that's what gives eternal life. It's not talking of elements. So the teaching of God's word is the eating of bread. And the teaching of God's word is the drinking of wine. Because it's no more elements, it's now spiritual reality which causes the believer to function within all that Christ has provided. Put that scripture again for me where we are. As the living father hath sent me, and I live by the father. So he that eateth me, he that eateth me, not he that eateth something that looks like me. Uh-uh. He that eateth me, even he shall live by me. How do we eat Jesus? We eat Jesus via his word. When we hear his word and receive his word, we are eating him. Put that scripture again for me quickly. That scripture. As the living father has sent me and I live by the father. So he that eateth me, even he shall live by me. Next verse. This is that bread, glory to God. This is that bread which came down from heaven. Not as your fathers did eat manna and manna and are dead. He that eateth of this bread shall live forever. Jesus is teaching us the difference between elements 
and the revelation of his person. Between bread and tasty time, between bread and rabbina and the revelation of his person. The New Testament has nothing to do with elements. It has to do with the revelation of his person because that is where life is. He calls his flesh bread. He calls his blood life. He said if a man wants to live, he must know that those two things, bread and life, is a person. Bread and life is a person. He must eat. Now a man that does not have revelation is thinking of carnal eating. Carnal eating. But Jesus is talking about man shall not live by bread alone but by every word. So the, the bread to eat is the word. It's not some bakery thing and some no, no, no. It's the word. When you receive the word, you are eating the bread and the body. And when you are eating Jesus' bread and body by the word, you are communing. You are communing. And in that communion, revelation knowledge begins to flow. Please stay with me. So he said, he told them in verse 59, now pay attention. Verse 59 to 63. These things said he in the synagogue as he taught in Capernaum. Many therefore of his disciples, when they had heard this, said, This is a hard saying. Who can hear it? Next verse. When Jesus knew in himself that his disciples murmured at it, he said unto them, Doth this offend you? What? And if you shall see the Son of Man ascend up where he was before. It is the spirit that quickeneth. It's not bread from bakery. It's not Rabina. It's not testy time. It is the spirit that quickeneth. The flesh, bread and Rabina, profited nothing. Olive oil, profited nothing. Handkerchief, profited nothing. The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. So Jesus zeroed it to the fact that all that they were communicating was symbolic of him. Now that he is here, if you truly want life, then stay away from the elements and grab revelation knowledge. Are we in the building? The words that I speak, they are spirit and they are life. He was speaking of something spiritual. That's the essence. He was speaking of fellowship. What does he mean by eat it? That was the best way Jesus could say it. There's no other way you could have told them at the limitation of their understanding. He couldn't have said, uh, receive revelation. How? They are not born again. So the best way he could have spoken to them is about eating. Because when the word is coming, what you're actually doing is eating. Alright? It's eating for a carnal man. But for a spiritual man, when the word is coming, you're receiving revelation knowledge. You're receiving revelation knowledge. So the best he could say was for them to eat. You don't expect us, men of the spirit, to eat like men of the flesh. You don't expect us, men of the spirit, to eat like men of the flesh. Comparing spiritual with spiritual. Natural with natural. Natural men eat physical things. Spiritual men don't eat physical things. Spiritual men eat spiritual things. We receive spirit by the teaching of God's word. And spirit is life. Spirit is life. Somebody said, well, you know why it communion is for healing. No, communion, those things don't heal. What heals is the life of God. 
What heals is the word of God that comes alive in the, in the body of a man and quickens everything that was wrong in that body. The word of God. The word of God is life to those that find him and, and, and hell to all their flesh. When he said, this is my body broken for you, eat of it. What you are saying is, confess it. When you are confessing what God's word has done, when you are confessing what Jesus has done, you are partaking in his broken body. You are partaking in his life. When you stand up and say, in the name of Jesus, my body is bought with a price. Therefore, I glorify God in my body and in my spirit. My body is the temple of the Holy Ghost. Therefore, sickness cannot stay here. You begin to speak those words. You are partaking in the life of God. You are eating his body and drinking his blood by those statements. By those statements. Are you still in the building? The Bible says, a man will eat good by the fruit of his lips. You didn't hear that. A man will eat good by the fruit of his lips. So, eating is speaking. Eating is speaking. You eat by speaking. Now, we are talking as spiritual men. A man will eat good by the fruit of his lips. The tongue of a man is a tree of life. And you will eat out of it. That's what the Bible teaches. He was referring to your confession. He says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And you shall have what you say. These are spiritual principles that governs the operation of a believer functioning within the confines of his spiritual authority. So Jesus is saying that if you can just declare it, you can have it. So how do you do it? I can see that headache. I can see that headache on Jesus. I can see that liver problem on Jesus. Yes, I know that my heart is enlarged. But I can see that enlarged heart on Jesus. When you start speaking like that, you are partaking of the lost body. You are partaking of the lost body. Yes, I feel pain on my leg, but I see the same pain on Jesus. So therefore, both of us cannot suffer it. He took it, I can't have it. No, it's injustice. Pain, out. You are partaking of his life. When you speak like that, you are unleashing spirit, which is life, which is light, which darkness cannot handle. You are functioning within the realities of the resurrected Christ. You are operating at a spiritual plane where he that is from above is above all. You are functioning in a place of dominion where demons and devils have no choice than to escape like monkeys into the jungles. You are operating at a place where darkness cannot function. You say what God says. He has said that I may boldly say. I say what God says. The Greek word homologio. Saying what God says in two places. With my heart I believe. With my mouth I confess. I can never be broke. I can never be stranded. I can never be sick. Why? My body is bought with a price. Therefore, I glorify God in my body. When you speak like that, you are partaking of the lost body. You are drinking of the blood of Jesus. And the devil has no choice than to vacate the environment.
Are we teaching here? Yeah, that's what he was talking about. I will see that ulcer on Jesus. I cannot have ulcer. I will see that ulcer on Jesus. No, he took it. I don't have it. If he took it, I don't have it. And let all men be liars. Let all symptoms be liars. The Bible says, they that lay hold on to lying vanities forsake their own mercy. I will not allow what I feel contradict what I know. I will not allow what I feel interfere with what I know. I know that 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 by his stripes I was healed. He took it. I don't have it. I cannot have it because he took it on my behalf. Are we still in the building? That is how you eat the Passover. That is how you eat the body. That is how you drink the blood. I see my body or I see his body broken for me. His blood was shed for the remission of my sins. I have no condemnation. I am not guilty of anything. I am as righteous as Jesus. I have access to appear before God without any sense of guilt, inferiority complex, sin consciousness or condemnation. I am as righteous as Jesus. And based on that, I refuse to entertain discomfort in my body. My body has been bought with a price. Therefore, I glorify God in my body and in my spirit, which are God's. Glory to God. I say glory to God. I say glory to God. I say glory to God. The coordinator of our church in London, who coordinates all our branches, was sharing with me two days ago, Mr. Bush. He said, one of our sisters in the church was diagnosed cancer. And that cancer has been in her body for a while. She's been there. So she took the messages and began to feed on my teachings day and night. Day and night. Day and night. Symptoms, no symptoms. She was just feeding on it. This week she went back to the doctors. They ran all the tests and gave her a clean bill of health. The cancers vanished. Where is the power of cancer before the broken body? Where is the power of ulcer before the shed blood? He took it. I don't have it. 2,000 years ago, the old account was settled long ago. Long ago, long ago, for the old account was settled long ago. The record clears today that you washed my sins away. The old account was settled long ago. I am no more a slave to fear and bondage. He has set me free. I stand fast in the liberty wherewith Christ has set me free. I have the mark of God on my body. I bear the seal of the Holy Ghost. And the Holy Ghost has sealed this body until the day of redemption. So sickness and disease cannot hide here. Am I talking to somebody here? Sickness has no right to molest a believer. Disease has no right to intimidate a believer. No, we have the broken body and we have the blood in spirit form. 
Nekatobaya, paralysis cannot stay in that body. Legato mekita na katanaga. High blood pressure must pack out now. Sugar diabetes must vacate now. Metale, matale, matale. It doesn't matter how long the condition has been. It's living right now. He took it. I don't have it. 2,000 years ago, he settled the matter. Somebody shout, I hear you. Somebody shout, I hear you. Somebody shout, I receive, I receive. Metolanaga. Metolanaga. He took it. I don't have it. He said, the communion that we have, the word communion means fellowship. We can fellowship with the body and the blood of Jesus. Romans 8.1, there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. The law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set me free. I am free from the law of sin and death. I am free. When I say sickness has no longer dominion over me, I refuse to be sick. I am eating the body. When I say such words, I am eating the body. I refuse to be sick in the name of Jesus. I am eating the body. I am partaking of the lost body with my words. Spiritual. My words. Philemon 1.6 says the communication of your faith becomes effectual. How? By the acknowledging of every good thing. You begin to acknowledge it. By his stripes I was healed. I am healed. By his stripes I am healthy. You begin to speak and acknowledge every good thing that is in you because you are in Christ. No sickness in Christ, no sickness in me. No death in Christ, no death in me. No weakness in Christ, no weakness in me. What is not in him is not in me because I am in him justified. He is in me glorified. I am bone of his bones and he is flesh of my flesh. Somebody shout, I hear you. Mekatome gadaya. Those of you need creative miracles in your body, receive it right now. Organs that were beginning to malfunction, we command them revitalize, restored, and, and fix back in their places in the name of Jesus. We speak words which the Holy Ghost teaches, comparing spiritual with spiritual. So when he said, I will pass over, he's talking about death, disease, and sickness. And he says when the angel of death shall see the blood he can't stay there. Ladies and gentlemen you've been bought with the blood for as much as you know that you're not redeemed with corruptible things such as silver and gold but by the precious blood of Jesus as of a lamb without blemish. The same way Jesus did not manage to die I will not manage to live. The same way Jesus did not economize his death. I will not economize living. I have received the abundance of grace. Which is the gift of righteousness. I reign in life. I reign over sickness and disease. I reign over lack and his insufficiency. I am because he is. I am because he is. And because he is, I am. What he has, I have. Say, I hear you. Say, I hear you. Thank you, Lord Jesus. 1 Corinthians 11, look at the way it says in, in 11 verse 23. 1 Corinthians 11 23. Give me verse 28 because of time. 1 Corinthians 11 28. But let a man so examine himself and so let him eat of that bread 
and drink of that cup by speaking. Look at the next verse. For he that eateth and drinketh unworthily, unworthily means you are not discerning the body. Okay? You are not discerning the lost body. And I've taken time to teach on what it means to discern the lost body. It means to walk in love. It means to walk in love. It means to care for the things that bothers the brethren. It means to be concerned about what God is concerned about. Your brother is in need, you reach out and help. When good is in your power, don't hold back. You are looking after the well-being of brethren. Jesus said, what you did to the least of this, my brethren, you did it to me. So, when we bless brethren, we are discerning the body of the Lord. And when we are discerning the body of the Lord, we make it difficult for the devil and demons to sneak in. We put a total defense mechanism by walking in love against the onslaught of the devil. We put up a defense mechanism by denying the devil access. We discern the lost body rightly. We say Jesus died so I can live. He took my place in death. I take his place in life. He went to hell. I go to heaven. He was rejected. I am accepted. He was a man of sorrow. I have the joy of salvation. Glory to God. I say glory to God. It's called the great exchange. Thank God brother Paul included many as sick in the list. Sick, weak, and he took time to explain what Christ has done for us. Christ has done it and is perfectly done. Can somebody shout a powerful glory in the house? Now, we have looked at how Jesus offered and now a question comes. Where is Satan in all of this? Because if you observe, from when we started teaching, we have not mentioned Satan once. Satan has not featured. And it's very easy. Neither give place to the devil. So even in our teaching, we don't give the devil a place. We don't give him space. Because it's a very simple principle of the scripture. Ephesians 4.27 Neither give place to the devil. So don't devilize your teaching. Don't devilize your teaching. Uh-uh, don't. He does not, he does not hold such relevance and such importance. But we will talk about Satan in the light of the redemptive work right now. We'll talk about him a bit today and then tomorrow we enter some more. You know, some people talk about Satan from experiential point of view. Observation. And I observe oftentimes that when people talk about Satan that way, Number one is either they don't know him or number two, they are lying against him. It's funny, but people lie against Satan. And Satan likes it when you lie against him. Because when you lie against him, you're attributing to him what he does not have. So he likes it. And then secondly, he likes when you lie against him. Because lying is his comfort zone. He's the father of liars. So, so many people lie against the devil. They will tell you they died and went to heaven. It's a lie and Satan is happy. He likes such things. And most of the people who do such things are people who rely on experiences. Experiences. The point is, you know, Satan likes it. So, where is Satan in all of this? Let's trace some history. Genesis 126. Genesis 126. And God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. And let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over the cattle and over all the earth 
and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. Pay attention. So God actually gave dominion to the man, I mean to, to man. He gave dominion to man. Now, you know the story. Satan came up, deceived Eve. And, you know, they transgressed. In Genesis, you will see serpent, the serpent. But when you come to the epistles, he is not the serpent again. For example, Second Corinthians 11 verse 3. Second Corinthians chapter 11 verse number 3. But I fear, lest by any means as a serpent beguiled Eve through his subtlety. So your mind should be corrupted from the simplicity. Jesus is simple. Jesus is simple. Oh, the moment you begin to find complications in the preaching of a preacher and complications in the pattern, run. Jesus is simple. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. Except it's not Jesus. Who. Jesus is simple. And for the international audience, I'm using Nigerian, you know, pattern of speaking. Where you hear me say Jesus, who is Nigerian. You know, he says, my yoke is easy. My burden is light. He says, see, put, put that scripture again. I like that scripture. Put it up again. Should, he says, so your minds, your minds, because many people play mind games. So your minds should be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. Look at the next verse. For if he that cometh preacheth another Jesus. So there is another Jesus. So when you hear in Jesus name always ask which one? Because not every time you hear in Jesus name is, the, is Jesus, Jesus Christ the savior of the world. Alright? Preacheth another Jesus whom you have not preached. Or if you receive another spirit. So it's not every time you hear hear it, hear it, hear it. That is the Holy Spirit. There is another spirit, all right, which you have not received. And then number three, or another gospel, which you have not accepted. Look at that word. You might well bear with him in the Greek. That word you might well bear with him means resist him. Put up a stern resistance. That's what it means in the Greek. Don't accommodate him. Don't tolerate such a person. Anything that will corrupt your mind, play mind games on you. From the simplicity of the gospel. Brother Paul says, like the devil played mind games on Eve. The serpent, because it was a mind game. The, the serpent was not a physical appearance. It was a mind battle. As God said, she had the voice in her mind. She had the thoughts in her mind. And then she responded to the thoughts without quoting the scriptures right. And the devil also quoted the scripture there were some preachers quote scripture. You shall not surely die. It sounds like a good confession of faith. But it's from the devil. You shall not surely die. It sounds like a good confession of faith. But that was the devil speaking. And he was speaking it in a bid to deceive. Are we still in the building here? So now, look at verse 14 of that scripture. Verse 14. Pay attention. Verse 14. And no marvel... For Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. He's transformed. So he was referring to the work of Satan when he referred to being enticed and taken away. So invariably, 
you will see that Satan, sure, was involved in the fall of man. Satan was involved. Because Ephesians chapter 2 verse 1, pay attention. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 1. And you have he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins. Next verse. Wherein in time past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air. The spirit that now walketh, walketh in the children of disobedience. The word disobedience there is disobedience to the gospel. Verse 3. Among whom also we all, all, we all had our conversation in time past, in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind. And we are by nature the children of wrath, even as others. So number one, we were dead. We were dead. So there was something key about it. You walked according to the course of this world. Number, number two, according to the prince of the power of the air. Talking about Satan. The word air there is not air as wind or sky. It's talking about pneuma, spirit. The prince of the power of the pneuma, of the spirit. Now, do you know that it was not likely for you to read in the Old Testament and see those that were sinners? It's not likely. When you read Genesis, you won't see people that were sinners there. And the reason is because also you won't see Satan. The reason because it takes the word of God to see where Satan was and where a sinner was. It will take the word of God to expose that. The spirit that now walks in the children of disobedience. And in case you think he's talking about people that will kill people, he's actually talking about all of us. He says, among whom also we all had our lifestyle, our conversation. Alright? Now, I'm going somewhere with this. <clears throat> we all had our conversation. So, you can see that even the dominion of Satan was unseen. It was not visible to the eyes. Because suddenly you just see a brother and a brother having an issue. And a brother stands up, carries something and kills his brother. And you think it's a brother killing a brother. Until you come to the New Testament. It says the devil was a murderer from the beginning. So all the devil did was, he just operated through Cain. And used Cain's hand to kill Abel. Now you will think it's Cain, but it was the devil at work. But you won't see Satan, because Satan always had a way of covert operation. He will hide behind the scenes and cause things to be happening. It will take the word of God to expose the modus operandi and the functionality of the devil. Please stay with me. Now, so it deals with the lust of people. Satan deals with people's lust, their desires. And the principle that governs their lives. The lust, the desires, and the principle that governs their lives. That is why he was called the God of this world. That blinded the minds of those that believe not. The Bible says, the whole world lieth in darkness. First John chapter 5 verse 19. The whole world lieth in darkness. He was referring again to Satan. Satan. So you are not likely to see Satan. You, you, you are not likely to see him because he was hiding behind the scene. And you are not also likely to see him in the things he was doing except the word of God exposes him. Now by the time you trace the history of man's fall, please listen carefully. By the time you list, trace the history of man's fall, you will see that what he did 
was what he handed over. Satan, I mean, Adam handed over that dominion of Genesis 1.26 to Satan. Please listen well. Adam handed over the dominion of Genesis 1.26 to Satan. Listen carefully because I'm dealing with technicalities here. He handed it over to Satan. So Satan became the God of this world. So instead of the creature that God made in Genesis 1.26 to be in dominion or to be ruling and reigning in humanity via the life of God which was made available to him in Genesis 2 as the tree of life. You will see that something else was reigning in humanity. It was called sin. Something else was reigning. It was called sin. And it wasn't in the obvious. You won't see it in the obvious. So before I get into that, you will see that in Genesis chapter 3, the carnal mind, and you discover that those books, Genesis, Exodus, were written for men in the flesh. The books were written for people that were not born again. That is why the books were written the way they were written. Like, then God said, God said, and God said, and God said. Listen carefully. When you hear God said to Adam, from dust you came, to dust you will return. Note this, because this will help you very well in Bible study. God was judging sin. To dust, from dust you came, to dust you shall return. God was judging sin. God was judging sin, not man. God was judging sin, not man. But man was judged with sin. Man was judged with sin. Because man was found in sin. Man was found in sin. So it was God's judgment on sin. It wasn't God's relationship with man. It was God's relationship with sin. And man had submitted to sin. Man had submitted to sin. So now, it was not God's punishment for man. It was man's separation from God. It was man's separation from God. God never separated himself from man. God never separated himself from man. Never. God never did. And we will see that in a moment. It was man that separated himself. That is why God said, Adam, where art thou? Because it was man who left God. God never left man. Adam had fallen. Adam was separated from God. And God said, where are you? Where are you was not God looking for Adam. It was the judgment, God's judgment on sin. God's judgment on sin. That is God's statement on sin. Where are you? Where are you? That is, in sin, man is separated from God. In sin, man is separated from God. Don't look at the drama. You know, like God went around saying, Adam, 
Where are you? No. no. It was a statement of the state of man. That is man. You have left where you ought to be. Sin has taken you away. That's what he meant by Adam. Where are you? It was a definition of man's state. And it was not God's making. It was actually separation. Now let's go back to the creation of Adam. When God made Adam, God used a word he used for everything he created. Remember, I have told you before that Adam refers to everything in one person. Adam refers to everything in one person. And that involves the head of the race called Adam. Adam is everything in one person, including the head of the race, which is Adam himself. Adam is mankind, and Adam is one person. Adam is mankind, and Adam is one person. That one person carries mankind. That one person carries mankind. That is, mankind is found in Adam. That is why it says God created them. Because it's one person as a function carrying everything. God created them. You and I did not eat the forbidden tree, as we call it. You and I did not marry Eve. You and I were not the parents of Cain and Abel. So it's a spiritual principle of corporate responsibility. It's a spiritual principle of corporate responsibility because that is the way God created everything. With everything he created, he called them, he called them, so what he created in Adam, he called it as them. Them. So eventually, or everything, took the order of a generation. One creation, then a generation. Look at Genesis 1.11. Let's see a principle. Genesis 1.11. Please pay attention. And God said, let the earth bring forth grass, the herb yielding seed, and the fruit tree yielding, fr and the, and the fruit tree yielding fruit after his kind, whose seed is in itself upon the earth. And it was so. A seed is in itself. A seed is in itself. That means it will be a fruit. After its kind. It will produce. After its kind. That is what we call the Genesis principle. The Genesis principle. Everything will produce after its kind. So the next question is, what about Eve? Eve was not after his kind. Because Eve was inside Adam. They were created together. It is not good that a man be different. The word alone. Be different. Different from what? From what we made them. They were made together. Because God wouldn't have wanted Eve to be a different species from Adam. So they came together. Male and female created he them. 
Now, so Genesis 2, Eve had to come out of Adam. Because Eve was always in Adam. Male and female in Adam. By Genesis 3, when that fall came, it was Adam. And Paul, for the sake of authority, began to explain that Eve was deceived. Adam was not deceived. He was just talking about authority. But the truth of the matter is this. And Paul also taught it. That in Adam, all died. 1 Corinthians 15.22 1 Corinthians 15.22 Please pay attention. For as in Adam, all die. Even so in Christ shall all be made alive. Shall all be made alive. Referring to Adam as a race. As a function. Adam as a race or as a function. In 1 Timothy 2, he was referring to husband and wife, which is mankind. So always know the difference between Adam as the head of a race and Adam as mankind. Always know the difference when you read the scriptures and I'll show you a few of them. So the principle is that of a corporate responsibility. And by the time you see Adam and all that he did, you will understand. For example, look at Genesis chapter 5 verse 1 to 3. Genesis 5, 1 to 3. This is the book of the generations of Adam. In the day that God created man in the likeness of God made he him. Verse 2. Male and female created he them and blessed them and called their name Adam. So in Adam was male and female. In the day that they were created. Give me the next verse. Verse 3. And Adam lived 130 years and begot a son in his own likeness after his, in his own, not in God's, in his own Adam's likeness after his image and he called the child Set. The word Set in the Hebrew is mortality. So by this time, Adam had come to a consciousness that man is mortal. So he began to name his children in that order. Now, please pay attention. So now he's dealing with the generations of Adam. Generations of Adam. What likeness was set, created in, or made in, or born in? The state of the fallen man. The man who has been united with sin. The state of the fallen man. So, from that point, everyone who came after Adam was born in his image was born in the image of Adam so don't be saying all of us are the image of God no <laughs> all of us are not the image of God you only become an image of God when you are born by Christ you are the image of your father in the village or wherever he is you are not the image of God you only become an image of God when you are born of God Right now, you are the image of your father. That's why your name has your, your, your name has your father's name on it. First Corinthians 15.49. First Corinthians 15.49. And as we have borne the image of the earthy, we shall also bear the image of the heavenly. So there are two images. A natural man has an earthly image. But when you are born again, you now put on a heavenly image. Are we in the building? Right. 
let's push a little more. I'll close in a few minutes. Now, so you put on the image of the earth. So definitely we will see that it was still a generation. We will see Adam in that person. Mankind in Adam. Look at Romans 5.12 now. Pay attention. Romans chapter 5 verse 12. Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world and death by sin and so death passed upon all men for that all have sinned. For that all have sinned. This is how the principle is explained in the Pauline epistle. This one man this one man, one person, the world, one person, the world. Did you see that? Look at that Romans 5.12, so that it's clear. Wherefore, as by one, sin entered the world. So one is the head of a race. Then look at it, and death by sin. And so, death passed Upon all men. This statement you should be curious of. But it's a simple principle. Paul was teaching here. Look at verse 13. Romans 5.12 For until the law, sin was in the world. But sin is not imputed when there is no law. Is he talking about Adam or mankind? Mankind. He is dealing with mankind. He is not dealing with a person in that verse. He is dealing with the all of mankind. It means they were sinners, but sin was not explained to anybody. All have sinned. How can all sin when they were not born? Nobody was born, but the moment Adam sinned, all sinned. Are we following? So how can a man sin when he has not been born? Then verse 14 explained. Romans 5 14. Nevertheless death reigned from Adam to Moses even over them that had not seen after the similitude of Adam's transgression who is the figure of him that was to come. Who is a figure. So again what did Adam pass to all men? Sin. Sin. So, what Adam passed to us was sin. That sin is spiritual death. Spiritual death. And it was based on that that mankind could not help but sin. <laughs> you know, children lie without learning. It's inborn. You see a child stealing. Stealing. Milo. Milk. <laughs> you know. A child will run to the kitchen. Pick meat from the pot. Eat and clean his mouth. Now the ones that are wise will clean. The ones that are not wise. They will eat it and come with their mouth like that. I remember when I was very young. One of the days I took Milo and I went under the bed. I ate and ate. And I didn't know that it would be on my, my, my mouth. Then I came out looking innocent. My mother just laughed and gave me the slap of my life. <laughs> and I wondered how she knew. I kept thinking, how did she know that I did that? Not knowing that it was here. 
You know, children, when they bath, they only bath their stomach because that's what's important to them. They take the water, put it here. It doesn't go beyond there. <laughs> they lie without learning because of the nature. That nature that was transferred by the head, the head of a race. Are we still in the building here? By the head of a race. So that is why he said in verse 14 of Romans 5 that they did not sin like Adam. So when he said for all have sin, that word all have sin is an ihori statement. In theology, when we say something is an ihori statement, it means that something explains what is going to happen in the future. Ihorist. That based on this Adam's action, all of mankind has sinned. That is, based on this that happened to Adam, anybody under the generation of Adam will commit sin. Anybody under the generation of Adam will commit sin. So Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. He wasn't referring to a race. It was that same term he used, all have sinned. If I was to use it in English, I will say, all will eventually sin. That's English. But Bible language, all have sin. But English language, all will eventually sin. You see that? That's why I say the Bible is not an English book. It has its own communication you know, method. Even though it's written in English, but it, is, it has a language within the English that has to be interpreted. And that's why we teach the word of God. Are you still in the building? So, Based on this, all will sin. Why? Because he treats sin not as an act, but he treats sin as a nature. That's why he uses another term, sin. That state of sin, he calls it death. Now, don't miss where I am now. Death passed upon all men. So all of us were dead in sin. Meaning, we were separated from God. And that separation is what produces the act of sin. That nature is what produces the act of sin. The act did not produce the nature. Mm -mm. It's the nature that produced the act. See that? It's not because people are sinning that they are sinners. Uh -uh. It's because they are sinners. That is why they are sinning. Now, so take that concept and keep it somewhere. First Corinthians 15.22 and I close there. First Corinthians 15.22 Tomorrow we will enter it some deep, deeper and we'll deal with Satan tomorrow. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. So you know what, Pastor IG? It is now not going to be dependent on me. Is going to be dependent on who is the head of the race that I belong to. <laughs> it's no more going to be individual. It's going to be looked upon now as generation. If you are in Christ, you are in the generation of the righteous. If you are in Adam, you are in the generation of sinners to death. So the redemptive work of God is not individuals. It's seen on two people. The progenitor 
of the Adamic race, Kabada, or the progenitor of the second Adam who gave rise to the last Adam who is the progenitor of the new creation. So now, it's not about you. It's about the head of your race. Are you all hearing what I'm saying? Now, when you understand that salvation will become easy to understand. It's not about individuals. Mm -mm. Because God doesn't see us through the eyes of us. He sees all of us in one person, Christ. If you be Christ, stand on your feet, let's close. Galatians 3.27, put it up on the, on, on the screen for me. Galatians 3.27, for as many of you as have been baptized into Christ, baptized where? Is this water baptism or salvation? Salvation. Have been baptized into Christ. Have put on Christ. Have put on Christ. So when you put on Christ, who does God see? Christ. When you move, who is moving? Christ. He doesn't see you because what you are putting on is Christ. So even when you make mistakes, Christ is hiding you. So that your mistakes are not recorded. Because Christ, you may know Shakayada. You are in Christ. And he's your justification. Glory to God. Bless tonight. Father, I pray for everybody under the sound of my voice. That the revelation of your word grows big in our hearts. Until nothing else matters. Barriers terminated. Holes broken. Your people rise up strengthened edified, built up, and ready to make manifest the fullness of God on their inside to a world that doesn't know God. Thank you for sick bodies that are healed tonight. Thank you for grace that are bound to us, your people. We all have sufficiency in all things. We are bound unto every good work. Thank you for answered prayer. In Jesus' precious name, and every believer says a powerful amen. Oh my goodness, are you blessed tonight or what? In two minutes, I'll be joining Mr. Bush tonight, and we're going to have a wonderful time together as we look into the word of his grace. Now, listen quickly. Before I join Mr. Bush, I'd like you to get your offerings wherever you are. Those in the building, those on television, our banking details are on the screen. And those of you that are watching, you know, by way of Facebook, YouTube, all the banking details are there. You want to honor the word of God? You want to honor this ministry? You want to honor our collective responsibility to flood the earth with the fragrance of Jesus' grace. Those of you in the house centers and campuses, grab all of your offerings and the radio audience. When we connect with Mr. Bush, he's going to give you banking details that you can call into or that you can quickly use in sending in your offerings to help this ministry continue to do what we're doing around the nations of the world. And partners, thank you for partnering. Thank you for all that you do to help us get the gospel all over the nations of the world. Let's pray together as we give. Father, thank you for the privilege to give. We give in faith, we give in honor, and we give tonight with excitement and with joy. Thank you for the privilege to make a difference in this world through the preaching of the gospel. I pray for everybody giving that your needs are met supernaturally. I decree that you have ideas, concepts, you have insights, you have favor, and you have opportunities. The blessing is upon you, and this week, you enjoy the goodness of God in the land of the living. Thank you, Father, for answered prayer tonight. In Jesus' precious name. And every believer says a powerful amen. amen. 
Can I hear powerful? Amen. Glory to God. Hey guys, you don't want to miss the next segment. We're joining in the next one, two minutes. You know, Mr. Bush, and we're going to have the time answering your questions and responding to your phone calls. And I look forward to seeing you again in the next few minutes. And until then, enjoy Christ. Let's celebrate viewers around the world for being a part of what's going on in this place. Praise God forevermore. Amen. Jesus is the exclusive custodian. Jesus is the sole carrier. Jesus is the perfect imprint, the pleroma, the corporate headquarters of the Godhead. Jesus is the executive carrier of the Father. So if you don't know 